if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway on this Monday. It is the 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2020. If you're just joining us, welcome and thank you for being with us after four days of break. We had a best of show on Thursday, Christmas Eve. We had uh, Christmas in America, which I tuned into a good portion of on uh, Friday morning, Christmas Day. Nice weekend and back up and at it today. A little bit raspy, a little bit of a cold going on right now. So apologies for that. Uh, but uh, thanks for being with us. Coming up in about a half an hour, we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, as we always do on Mondays. Normally, it's at 948. So if you are an hour number two exclusive listener, big treat for you. You get Jim Jordan from hour number one uh, into your time slot today in hour number two. So that's coming up at 1035. We'll talk more with him about the congr- the. Uh, uh, COVID relief bill and the $900 billion part of this massive omnibus spending bill, uh, that was supposed to be for COVID relief for Americans, but is instead peanuts for Americans and massive amounts of money for foreign countries and special pet projects. We'll come back to that in just a moment, but I want to hit this real quick too, as we continue to deal with the panic porn producers pandemic. I could, how about alliteration? The pandemic panic porn producers. Um, <clears throat> All over this country, but in particular in, you know, our, our federal government by way of the quote unquote experts, the technocrats that have been given the power to make policy. And of course, I speak of the grand poobah of epidemiology, the man who supposedly the science believer that we can trust and put our faith in. If Dr. Fauci says so, it must be true. Except for the fact that, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the little brownie elf, um, truly has said every single thing that you can say about COVID-19 and the pandemic uh, protocols, except for the fact that he said the exact opposite of that the day before. He's taken both sides of every issue, now including changing and moving the goalposts when it comes to herd immunity uh, with respect to the vaccine. Now, what you're about to hear is, is really remarkable. It's a CNN host asking Dr. Fauci the kind of question you would typically experience from a Fox News or a conservative-minded host. But Dr. Anthony Fauci was on CNN with Dana Bash, 
and she asked him how many people have to get vaccinated or what percentage of people have to get vaccinated for us to reach herd immunity. And Dr. Fauci said, well... Uh, probably a pretty good-sized number. Listen to the first part. Well, if you look at the logistics of it, Dana, right now we're going through the priority groups. We started with health, uh, 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 frontline health people, people who are on the front line taking care of patients. Uh, then you get to people who are in, in, a, in, a, in a difficult situation, namely people who have underlying conditions, essential people in society. And then you go down the line. Once you get there, what I call open season, namely when anybody who's anybody, you don't have to be a priority person, should get vaccinated. I think we're going to get there probably end of March, beginning of April. So if we start vaccinating the general population in April from a pure logistics standpoint, it's probably going to take several months to get those people vaccinated. That would get us to the 70 to 85 percent group. I think that's going to probably be by the middle to the end end of the summer so that i hope i hope that by the time we get to the fall we will reach that critical percentage of people that we can really start thinking about a return to some form of normality so first of all understand that what you just heard from the poobah grand poobah um uh, dr fauci is that you can't expect normalcy until maybe the fall so another nine or ten months of lockdown, mask up, stay home, trash. But most importantly, what you heard there was him saying that to get to the herd immunity of 70 to 85% of Americans that have to be vaccinated to get to herd immunity, that's very different than what he had said previously. And again, the shocker here is that it's a CNN host, Anna Bash, who called him out on moving the goalpost. Listen, you acknowledged to The New York Times that you've moved the goalposts in terms of what it would take to reach so-called herd immunity in the United States. Here's what you said. You said when polls said about when polls said only about half of all Americans would take a vaccine, I was saying herd immunity would take 70 to 75 percent. Then when newer surveys said 60 percent or more would take it, I thought I can nudge this up a bit. So I went to 80, 85. And then you go on to say that it may be as high as 90 percent. So my question is, why weren't you straight with the American people about this to begin with? Why weren't you straight with the American people? Dana Bash, CNN. I mean, everything is backwards now. Up is down, day is night, black is white. I mean, this is what? Dana Bash and CNN actually asking a tough question of Dr. Anthony Fauci? She did it. Why did you say 70% when the polling was one way, and then now you say 90% when the polling is another way? You tell me he doesn't have an agenda. You tell me that he's not working with a cabal of other individuals with an agenda. Forced vaccinations, and yes, extended total population control with lockdowns and maskings and uh, limited hours and access, etc., etc. Now he says to reach herd immunity, it's up to 90%. What happened to 70 When the surveys showed that only 50% of the people wanted the vaccine, you said 70 Now that it's higher, you say 90? What's real? What can be believed and what can't be believed? Here's his answer. 
No, actually, Dana, I don't think it can be interpreted as being straight or not. We have to realize that we have to be humble and realize what we don't know. These are pure estimates and the calculations that I made, 70, 75 percent, it's a range. The range is going to be somewhere between 70 and 85 percent. The reason I first started saying... That's a, that is one hell of a range, though. That's a massive range. In a population of 330 million people, 70% of them to 85% of them is a massive jump. It's talking 40, 45 million more people that would have to get vaccinated for us to reach the herd immunity at the latter number. Being 70, 75, I brought it up to 85. That's not a big leap to go mm-hmm. from 75 to 85. That is a massive leap. That, that leap alone is 33 million Americans. More that would have to be vaccinated to get to 85%. It was really based on calculations and pure extrapolations from measles. Measles is about 98% effective vaccine. The COVID-19 vaccine is about 94, 95%. When you get below 90% of the population vaccinated with measles, you start seeing a breakthrough against the herd immunity. Mm -hmm. People starting to get infected like we saw in the upper New York State and in New York City with the Orthodox Jewish group when we had measles outbreak. So I made a calculation that COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, is not as nearly as transmissible as measles. Mm-hmm. Measles is the most transmissible infection you can imagine. So I would imagine that you would need something a little bit less than the 90%. That's where I got to the 85. But I think we all have to be honest and humble. Nobody really knows for sure. But I think 70 to 85% for herd immunity for COVID-19 is a reasonable estimate. And in fact, most of my epidemiologists Epidemiology colleagues agree with me. Yeah. It's a guess. You understand? It's a guesstimate, not an estimate. It's a guess. And it's inspired by and impacted by polls. That's right. The politics of it. The politics of it. When 50% of the people said, according to polls, they weren't going to touch the vaccine, he said, we only need 70% to reach herd immunity. Then he said 60% of the people started to say, okay, I'll take it. Well, now we need 80 to 85 to 90% to get to herd immunity. They are making it up as they go, moving the goalpost every single day. And that's why you cannot, I cannot, we cannot, and should not trust any of them. This is a guy who said, listen to the science, follow the science, the science, the science, the science, the science. And yet now he's admitting that his science is guesswork. Guesswork based on polls. Do you know how many American politicians and leaders have established their own city or state's protocols, their their policy with respect to the pandemic based on what Anthony Fauci says? Do you know how many people lost their jobs directly because businesses closed, because Anthony Fauci said to? Do you know how many people got laid off? Do you know how many people are never going back to those jobs? Do you know how many people can't even open their businesses again? All of these people are listening to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the poobah. And guess what? He's making it up. Just like he made it up when he said there is no reason for the American people to wear masks uh, in public to stop the spread of this this uh, virus. 
And then everybody must wear a mask to stop the spread. of. I mean, on and on and on it's gone. And he's making it up. The science is guesswork. 216-901-0945, I see people on hold. I'm coming right to you after this. Okay, 1023, let's get a few phone calls going here. And who is up first? I believe it's Richard, who is in Gates Mills. Richard, you're on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Oh, great. Thank you, Bob. Um, so, I don't know <laughs> where to start. You've covered a lot of stuff. But where is John Boehner, who used to run the house? Uh, they used to have, uh, you know, what they called regular uh, order when they would pass about 12 spending bills. But since it seems to me since he left, they've just not done that. So they didn't debate each one of you know, whether they were worth spending the money on or not through in various committees. Uh, and now they just put everything in a huge big bill every time, and they use the excuse that it's uh, extending the debt limit, so we have to pass it. And then they load it with pork and everything like they've done in this one, and it's terrible. And, you know, you could argue Americans need to have something given to them, but my goodness, uh, it was there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that by doing this, it's ruining capitalism, keeping donating money, filling money out to the people. But beside that, uh, they are both addicted to spending, both the Republicans and the Democrats. And the only hope for people who are conservative, like Jim Jordan, uh, and that's our hope, that they will stop this spending. We have no money. We're, the debt is being doubled. Thank well, you. you know, you're you're right all the way down the line. You're a thousand percent right. And it's the one thing, like I said, that I'm coming to you know grips with is that the Republicans are no better. I've long said that the Republicans are the way better option of the two parties. And maybe for certain things they are. But when it comes to spending, they are just as addicted to it. And, we're, and you know, here's the real proof in the pudding is that. You know, Donald Trump is not a traditional Republican. It's why so many rhinos and establishment Republicans hate him. And this is proof of it. He wants that pork spending stripped out. He wants that foreign aid stripped out. He just wants what we need to run the country and to provide relief to the people who have suffered under the pandemic protocols. And yet his fellow Republicans, but the rhino versions of them, are just as guilty as uh, the Democrats of, um, of, of voting for these things. And it's frustrating, and I don't know what the answer is. You know, you bring a guy like Trump in to drain the swamp, but the swamp envelops him, and unfortunately he cannot swim his way out of it. That's the sad, sad fact of the matter. Great call, Richard. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. Let me move to um, Cleveland. AC, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. Bob. You said earlier that yes. for some strange reason we were giving X millions to Pakistan, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, I think I, I think I figured out the strange reason. Pakistan is a Muslim country. They know the difference between men and women. They don't have any issues with transgenderism. Okay? Let's use our heads, Bob. We may find out that Pakistani companies are producing... School gender curriculums for our school. Remember, one of the candidates said that trans, the transgender issue 
is the equality issue of our time, comparing it to the civil rights movement of the mid-60s. I would, I would, I don't, I don't want to dismiss out of hand what you're saying. It is possible. I have had other people suggest to me, people who are somewhat tied in uh, to to Congress, in other words, connections, um, who have suggested that rather than providing these funds to them so they can produce the textbooks, etc., which I don't think there's any evidence of of right now. I, in fact, we have. There, there are people in the Ohio Board of Education whose job it has been to research the history behind what gets into, uh, you know, for example, Ohio's school textbooks. But what I have had suggested to me is that that money is going there under the guise of gender programs and being used for something not even related to gender, but more related to military operations, that these are funds that are being given to countries that are not necessarily our allies, but not necessarily our enemies, and that's what Pakistan is—kind of a kind of a you know a complicated relationship that we have. But that we may be funding some of their military operations, uh, and we can't say that, so we color it with, "Oh, it's for gender programs." Because you're right, Muslim countries—they throw gay people off of rooftops. They don't tolerate homosexuality. They don't tolerate anything of the sort. So to think that they're going to be over there studying gender transitions, um, not likely. To think that they're spending our money on military operations and equipment, much, much more likely. Bob, why are we even giving $1 of this bill to any foreign nation? Why? That's what Donald Trump wants to know. And that's why he threatened to veto it, but he got boxed in because you know it's too many you know cowardly Republicans joined the Democrats in in passing this thing by a veto-proof majority. So he wants to know the same thing: Why are we sending money that is targeted for American COVID relief to Pakistanis, Sudanese, Egyptians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, around the globe when this is absolutely not the time for that? Nor is this the bill for that. So you know he wants to know. I want to know. And nobody does know. And you know who especially doesn't know? Sadly, my friend, and thanks for the call, uh, AC. Sadly, you know who really doesn't know? The people who voted for it. Because it's 5,600 pages that I promise you they did not read. They don't know. And that's why we're stuck where we are. I'll ask Jim Jordan if he knows. He'll join us next. AM 1420, The Answer. two sides to every story there's the mainstream media side and then there's the truth you are experiencing the truth the bob france authority on am 1420 the answer yeah you're gonna have to get the truth somewhere you're not gonna get it from congress you're not gonna get it from uh, the grand poobah of epidemiology anthony fauci where are you gonna get it you're gonna get it right here 1035, i got 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this broadcast. I'm going to take you up to uh, 
Our good man, Mike Gallagher, Charlie Kirk, Dennis Prager. Stay here, Dr. Gorka, the rest of the day if you want to really uh, get a handle on what's going on with the spending bill, what Congress is likely to do or not do with it. Uh, stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. I think we have Congressman Jim Jordan on the line now. He was in the air a short while ago, so if he navigated hey, his Bob. way through TSA, yeah, here he is. I just heard the hey, Bob. Morning, How are you? <laughs> yeah, we did. We got through the airport and we got here. Uh, always, always in a hurry to get to talk to Bob France. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I know you're a very busy man, uh, and you got a lot to do today. A lot of very important work to do today. So, um, let's dive right into it, Congressman. Um, yeah. I was disappointed last night when I heard that the president signed a bill. I know you did not vote for it. Uh, we have all spent days talking about what's wrong with it, from the $600 per American, which is nothing, yep. uh, to the massive amounts of federal aid uh, sent to for, uh, excuse me, foreign aid sent to uh, other countries, as well as the Democrats' pork projects uh, here yep. in the states. 5,600. I did not want the president to sign this, but then I'm told, yeah. well. He signed it, but he gave a red-lined version to Congress saying, I'll sign it, but you need to do this, 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 and this to it. My question to yeah. you, though, sir, is <laughs> does he well, have any leverage Nancy to make Pelosi, those requests? No, Nancy Pelosi's not going to do it. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think she likes the fact that we got taxpayer dollars going to, what, Pakistan for gender studies and to fix a boat in, I think, Sri Lanka and and. You know uh, the Dalai Lama study, or what? I don't, I don't even know. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, we've listed but them everything. All. It's crazy. This, yeah, everything in this bill was ridiculous. Um, and 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 you're right. If if we're uh, what if you just we just wanted to help the American people, you you could do that. But uh, I think the best way to help the American people, we've said this many times on your show, is let let Americans go back to work. I mean, uh, let we just we just tweeted out, let America work again. For goodness' sake, how about that idea? That's the best stimulus. Uh, but no, it's it's typical Washington special interest. This kind of crazy stuff to study. This kind of stuff, climate change, language, and everything else, except addressing the real problem, which is telling some of these governors and mayors to let let Americans enjoy their freedom and, and their livelihood and get back to work. Yeah, and that is what it's supposed to be about. But having said all of that, um, here we sit. We're about to add, you know, a couple more trillion dollars to the national debt for very, very, very few benefits to the American people. Do yeah. you? Will you vote today on a um, uh, increasing at least the increase of the outlay to the American people from six hundred to two thousand? No, I, I'm not. I'm not going to vote for that without making the the, the appropriate cuts. I mean, I, I just think this is no, no. This, what I mean is, will Congress have that vote today? Not necessarily. Will you oh, vote that for? vote will happen. I'm not going to. That vote will it. happen. That, that vote will happen. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be on suspension, which is with you know, which is suspension is typically like ten minutes of total debate. So, uh, and I and I believe the rule structured last week from the Democrats doesn't even pro, uh, uh, pro, uh, allow uh, debate on. On the president's uh, over uh, the, the override attempt on the president's veto of the national defense authorization. So, um, you know, so much for the deliberative actions we're supposed to take. So much for understanding what's in bills and letting the American people hear a real debate. It's uh, just sort of the the approach Democrats take now. I mean, they've been trying to squelch any debate on this election for the last uh, two months. So, um, just more par for the course from the Democrats. I'm going to attack your party now um, and get your reaction to it. And it's my party, too. But I, I have long you know, tried to convince people to say, oh, the problem in Washington is both parties. Both parties are equally to blame. And I say, no, they're not equal to bl- equally to blame. I blame the vast majority of things on Democrats, and I defend Republicans. But then we get to mm-hmm. things like this. And, and, and I don't understand. How can, and I know you didn't, 
how can so many of your Republican colleagues go along with this and pass that 5,600-page monstrosity with all of the things that you're complaining about that I'm complaining about? Why is yep. no one standing up for the American people, that their tax dollars are returned to them for their benefit rather than to all of these foreign countries? Well, I mean, what's the difference between a Republican and a Democrat if Republicans are just going to well, vote and spend like Democrats? No, no. Look, look I, I'm, I'm frustrated too. But I, I will tell you, I think most Republicans looked at they, they like Republicans. We're 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 more, more optimistic than these Democrats who are always tearing down the country. We 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 believe in the greatness of this country. And when Republicans, I think, see, see the bill, they look at what's happening for small businesses in there. Small businesses that have been been so hurt by Governor Newsom and Governor Whitmer and all these Democrat governors and mayors around the country. So they saw that and saw saw this is a way to help small businesses. Uh, and sometimes you get focused on that. You don't see you may not you may not pay as much uh, attention to all the other stuff that's in the bill. But um, so I don't I don't fault Republicans. This is this is a bill that that Pelosi um, wanted to put together. And I think some Republicans felt that to help small business owners, they would they would support it. I just didn't feel like we could without, you know, getting rid of some of the crazy things in there and, and doing more for uh, for the American families. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand though why more Republicans didn't think the way you think. That's the point here. Yeah. Is that so many of them say, "Yeah, well, I mean, because you know, they they put your put feet to the fire and they say, well, you know, if you don't vote vote for this and support all of this garbage that we I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi now, you know, saying yeah. all of the garbage that we're putting in it, then you know, we're going to paint you as not caring about small businesses. We're going to paint you as not caring <laughs> about the people getting any money at all. And so Republicans yeah. look at uh, one another and say, okay, we'll vote for it. You know, and, and just, well, there, there's no courage. Thing. There's no intestinal fortitude and, and, and willingness to fight the fight. Go ahead. Yeah, one one thing I've learned, Bob, is they're going to say all kinds of terrible things about me no matter how I vote. And so I'm going to do what I believe the, the folks who elected me uh, wanted me to do, what I told them I was going to do, and, and live with that. Because I've learned now over the, the years I've been here in, in, in Washington representing the folks in the 4th District that the press is going to lie about me, Democrats are going to lie about me. But the American people have a way of getting through all that and getting to the truth. And so uh, I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to vote the way I think is right. Uh, I think some of my colleagues just just were so focused on on helping small business owners, which which I get that they they were willing to go along with the rest of the stuff that was in the legislation. Eight days from now, uh, we will have a very important fight in Georgia. Nine days from now. We'll have a very important fight in Washington, D.C. Uh, let's talk about both of those things. January 5th, obviously, mm-hmm. is the Georgia runoff. There have been millions of votes cast already and, and uh, uh, in uh, early voting, as well as in um, uh, um, absentee ballot requests. Yep. Um, yep. What is your feeling? What is your feeling right now, Raphael Warnock and John well, Ossoff? I, I can't speak. You know, it's funny. I, I, I usually speak to you. And ask you what is the what are the ramifications if we lose those races and the Democrats control uh, the Senate? But I don't ask you about the individual candidates very often. Yeah, these are well, two I, I, very got... very despicable, disgusting people. And more than just the big picture Senate control, having these individuals in Congress is a big problem. Yeah, right. Uh, Senator Senator Purdue and Senator Loeffler are, are great candidates, and and if the Democrats get in there, it, you, you know what's going to happen. It's just going to be more attacks on your freedom, more the cancel culture mob attacking you online, more the mob in the street because they believe in this defund the police concept, more of uh, attacks on your First Amendment liberties and your Second Amendment liberties, and that, that that's that's what's been at stake so much with the left today's left. It's about taking away your liberty. So uh, this is important. That the polling numbers look better for our candidates uh, over the last uh, several days. Uh, I think that's a good sign. When I was, I spent three days down in Georgia uh, a couple weekends ago, 
I felt good about the races. Uh, I, I did a couple of events actually with Senator Loeffler and then five other events just to kind of rally uh, Republican voters. And um, I think we're going to win because I think the I think folks in Georgia and around the country know what's at stake. I just hope people understand, like I said, more than just, hey, we need to keep control. But individually here, John Ossoff has some seri- serious China Communist Party ties here. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about financial ties. We're talking about the kind of things that, you know, the Democrats, they cannot seem to get away. Well, actually, they get away with it, but they can't get away from this China problem between Hunter Biden yep. and Joe Biden and all of the information that came out that was ignored by the media prior to the election to Eric Swalwell sleeping with the enemy, quite literally sleeping with a, a Chinese spy and sitting on the Intel Committee. Now you got John Ossoff a hair away from being in the United States Senate with all of his Chinese. Mm-hmm. financial ties i mean congressman i hope people understand the voters of georgia and the people around the country yeah. literally that is our greatest threat to national security and 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 quite frankly you know geopolitically the the, the communist chinese yeah no i it's it, very scary i do think americans get it i think georgians get it when i was down there doing seven different events over three days talking with with uh people there in the great state of georgia they understand it um, they understand that that in the end it it really is about freedom. Uh, I always say there's a reason we we, we formed this, this this caucus here in in, in D.C. in the in the House. There's a reason we called it the Freedom Caucus because it's really in the end about freedom. We I mean, think of it where we're at virus that 99.8 percent of people recover from, and yet we have probably how many millions of Americans are under curfew right now? I mean, think about that. In Ohio, you know, in, 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 they're telling us when you have to be in your home. They're telling us who you can have in your home and what, you, what you're allowed to wear while you have people in your home. That's going on in this country right now. So uh, in the end, this is really about freedom. And I think, as I said earlier, I think Americans get it. I'm glad you brought up the lockdowns and our freedom being taken away from us and so forth. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the grand poobah of epidemiology, has been caught essentially changing the numbers of his quote-unquote science based on the polls. Uh, he was asked, believe, believe it or not, of all people, CNN, CNN reporter Dana Bash interviewed him yesterday and asked him, why do you now say 85 to 90 percent of Americans need to be vaccinated for herd immunity, herd immunity to be reached, when just a couple of months ago you said 70 percent? And he said, well, the polls yeah. then said, you know, <laughs> only 50 percent of Americans were going to take the vaccine. So I said we need 70, but now that I hear more of them are going to do it, I nudged it up to 85 or 90. He said these are estimates. This is the science, Congressman Jordan, that we were told necessitates lockdowns, business closures, uh, capacity limitations, people, schools being closed, masking. All of the science we're being told now is, yeah, uh, it's a guesstimate. I don't understand how we're supposed to continue to follow the, 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 the lead of these people. Well, I mean, he's been he's been all over the place on every issue. Remember, he's the guy who, who, who first told us that we didn't need masks, and then he said we did. And then, of course, when he gave the first pitch at the, at the ball game, he, then he set up in the stands around people and didn't, didn't have his mask on. So uh, as like with so many of these rules, they don't follow what they say. Um, just look at all the, the, the governors and mayors. Uh, I mean, you know, Governor Newsom can, can dine indoors with all his friends and high-powered lobbyists, but he tells you you can't have your family over for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, you got the mayor of what I think it was San Antonio who said you got to stay home. Uh, what, what he, but he sends the message while he's in Mexico. Uh, so, so <laughs> they don't ever follow their own rules. So th- th- this is this is just kind of 
the, the, the situation. And it is frightening to me when you stop and think about it. Like I said, government is telling you when you can leave your home, wh- who you can have in your home, how many people you can have in your home, and what you have to wear while you're there in your home. That is you, it, that's all happening in the United States of America. And it's not just a few people. It is literally millions of people because how many states are under stay-at-home orders or curfew orders? Pennsylvania, Michigan, California, New York, Ohio. I mean, think about it. So that, that is unbelievable that that is going on in the greatest country ever, the freest nation in, the, in human history. That is happening? That's the part that scares me. Yeah, you you and me both. And Congressman, before you go, I want to get this in. I mentioned, you know, eight days from now, uh, we have the uh, fight in Georgia, but nine days from now, we have the fight in D.C. Yesterday evening, the president tweeted, quote, uh, see you in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Don't miss it. Information to follow. What's he talking about, and how does that tie into what you hope to have, which is a debate on the uh, House floor? January 6th, January 6th is when, by law, we get, we get a chance to object to the certification. We get a chance to object to the certification of, of, uh, of electors from respective states. So there will be members of the House of Representatives, several of us who will object to, I believe, six different states because that's where all the problems were. And because we just have those general concerns that you've raised, Bob, it's the same concerns you've raised. I mean, pres- just think about it. during the campaign, Joe Biden would, would get maybe 55 people at an event. President Trump will get 55,000 at just one of his rallies. President Trump increased his vote with African-Americans, increased his vote with Hispanic-Americans, won 19 of 20 bellwether counties, won Ohio by eight, Iowa by eight, Florida by three. But somehow he lost. He got 11 million more votes than he got in 16, but somehow he lost to a guy who never left his home. Now, maybe that all happened. Maybe that's all real. But, but we, I think 80 million Americans, both Republicans and Democrats, have concerns about it. And we know over 60 million Americans, over a third of the electorate, thinks the election was stolen. So don't we owe it to them to at least air the facts and have a hearing, have a real debate on the House of Representatives and the United States Senate? Because we certainly haven't had it over the last two months. Press won't cover anything, no hearings, no real investigations, no real evidence presented in a courtroom. I mean, so that, that's what needs to happen on the 6th. And there are a group of us, I'm getting ready to meet with my colleague Mo Brooks from Alabama right now, and there are a group of us who are, who are determined to have that debate and show the American people the truth. And we plan to do it. We just hope a senator joins us, or several senators join us, in in, in our motion on uh, on January sixth. What message do you and Congressman Brooks have for some of your fellow Republicans who are somewhat publicly now urging President Trump to accept defeat? Uh, why don't we ask the fundamental question? Why don't Democrats ask the question that in Pennsylvania, why were Republican observers kicked out of the room? Uh, and, and, and then cardboard put on the windows. Why in Georgia? Why in Georgia? Because is that normal? Do you normally kick observers out of the room, which they're allowed to be in by law, and then put cardboard on so they can't see what's going on? If you got nothing to hide, why would you do that? Why in Georgia were people kicked out of the room and then they pull crates out from underneath the box, uh, underneath the table, and start counting them for several hours? Why did that happen? I mean, don't, isn't there someone curious about it? Why, why doesn't the media want to investigate that? So if no one's going to investigate, no one's going to look into it, we should do it on the House floor. And, and let's have the debate. And if at the end of the debate, you're not convinced? Okay, I guess you can do that. But it sure seems pretty convincing to me, and that's why we should have it. And I think it's pretty darn convincing to millions of people around this country. 
Yeah, I would agree. I just, uh, you know, you answered your own question when you said, why Why does the media not want to know that? Why do they not want, not want to know the answer? Because they got the answer they wanted, the one that they helped facilitate, and that is Joe Biden as the uh, quote-unquote presumptive uh, president-elect. Uh, and that's the frustrating thing. So many millions of Americans have nobody to speak for them to the masses the way, uh, the way that the left does through the media. Congressman, we'll have one more chance to chat before the runoff in Georgia next Tuesday and before the January 6th hopeful uh, floor debate, uh, and I look forward to talking to you then. So since this will be the last time I speak with you in the year 2020, a very happy new year to you. You too, Bob. Thank you. Happy new year. Thank you, sir. Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer, bring in the fire as he always does. I've got time for a couple more phone calls in response to that fire right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1054, let's try to squeeze in three more phone calls if we can before the top of the hour. So keep that in mind as you make your comments. Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Norm, good. you're on the air. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I would say with the exception of TJ of North Olmstead, Jim of Fairview, you, myself, and some of your other callers, damn few of our listeners are willing to exercise their rights by picking up the phone, calling their congressmen, calling their senators, or writing a letter to those people and hold their feet to the fire. So the blame, there's enough blame to spread around, and the blame lies with us. It's the old pogo. We have met the enemy, and he is us. And and I'll tell you, Bob, I am so disgusted with the Republican Party, both at the state and the uh, federal levels, with the exception of somebody like Jim Jordan. I would love to see Jim Jordan run as our next governor. I really, really would. But uh, you're right. I remember back in 68, George Wallace ran, and he referred to them as Democrats and Republicans. And he said, you take the Republicans, then you take the Democrats, throw them in a burlap sack, shake them up, and out comes the same thing. And that's exactly what's happening. I Did think we that's see accurate. Nick- yeah, it, it is. Did we see Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy or any of these people, I mean like 10, 15, 20 of them standing behind the microphone saying, we are not going to sit still for this fraud being perpetrated on the American people with the stealing of the election. No, no. They paid lip service. They came out with a few platitudes. But no, they didn't stand in unity like uh, Gourmet Ice Cream Nancy does with Schumer and that. No. They did not support our president, and it's disgusting, despicable, and and Bob, we need we need to resurrect the Tea Party, and we need to get it going because I, I seriously I foresee a second civil war coming because there's a lot of folks on our side that are really really fed up, and they better do something because this is getting out of hand. And you get I that just more hope, yes, uh, Norm, and, uh, I just hope if it does come, and thank you for the phone call, and if it does come to that, I hope that it's a civil war in definition, in addition to name, meaning that it is one that is fought civilly and not violently. <clears throat> and I know I fear, and you do too, that that could be the case. Excuse me. <clears throat> that that could be the case, but let's just hope that it is a war of words and it's a war of votes and never a war of arms against one another. But I do understand the fear. Thank you, Norm. Let me go to uh, Jason in Cleveland next. Jason, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, you know what? I I can't believe Jim Jordan is outstanding. I think he, I, I think he should run for the next president. 
But if you really look at statistics, look at India with 1.3 billion people, and they've only had 130,000 deaths. And then you look at our 300 million, and we have 300,000 deaths. I mean, the whole, I mean, nobody's disagreeing that it's not real, but I mean, the propaganda, the misdirection, the whole thing reminds me of what it was like back in the early 30s with Nazi Germany. I mean, what are we doing? We're just sitting on our hands, letting our world be, our, our country being stolen from us. Well, it is exactly that. And here's the thing. You can't trust the numbers in either side of those things. I'll be honest with you, Jason, and thanks for the call. I don't trust China's numbers, and I don't trust India's numbers as far as not having as many cases and deaths as we have had in the United States when they have three times as many people, four times in some places and cases, as many people as we do. Uh, so I, you can't trust their numbers, and I'll be honest with you, I don't trust ours. I don't trust our 300,000 deaths from COVID. I think it's a lie. I think we have seen examples uh, in bunches at times of cases where they are announcing people who did not die from COVID as having died from COVID. They died there in hospice care, already dying from cancer, but they had COVID, so they market a COVID death. Then they die in a car wreck, and they had COVID, it's a COVID death. I don't trust it for one second. Because you're right, propaganda. Propaganda is an extraordinarily important tool of the federal government, of our government, and the governments of other countries as well. That's where we'll have to leave it today. My apologies if I didn't get to you, but we are out of time. Stay here for Gallagher, Kirk, Prager, Gorka, on down the line, all the way through uh, Seculo, and of course Larry Elder tonight. If you want the truth, you'll get it here on AM 1420, The Answer. Free of the fluff and the buffoonery, you'll get in other places. Thanks for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.